What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Full Goal presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With 0 to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What's yeah. up, Jason? How you doing? Hey, what's happening, bro? How you feeling? I'm doing well, man. All this you well? Oh, man. Can't complain, you know. Got, got, a, got a puppy. You know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 Have fun taking that thing out to, to be at 4 a.m. for the next, oh, next few months. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, and we got him super young, too. He yeah. got him at six weeks, so... Yeah, yeah he's, he's still on the milk. We got but... ours. Yeah, we got ours at nine weeks, which like, I mean, it's amazing, right? Like, like she's the bomb. She's so fun. She's you know, train them good, and they love you and whatever. But there's some headaches for sure. Oh no, yeah. no doubt, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, and, and especially when they want to hang out at the nocturnal hours, and you're like, yeah. oh, I, I, you didn't even come out of my ball sack. I don't really have to. <laughs> yeah, I have to really have to feed. Oh yeah, I do have to feed you, and and I yeah. do have to. We took him to the uh, the vet for his first checkup today, so yeah, they did the whole thing. Yeah, the whole workout. That's fun. Uh, yeah, always fun, man. Uh, speaking of, bro. Oh shit, my camera's not on. Damn. I'm going to act like one of these fucking divas. All right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, all right. All right. Well, all right. All right. Well, you know, I was planning on coming in here and first bombing on Tony, his uh, his Milwaukee Bucks, and, and how he hasn't talked about them as of late and how they're fucking cooked. But, uh, you know, we'll get to that later on in the pod because we got more important things, right? Welcome into uh, what, what episode is this? Episode 335? 
Yeah, yeah. See, I almost said the wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm on like a, a, a three pod streak this year of not saying the wrong number pod. So welcome into episode three thirty five of the Full Go Podcast, presented to you by the good people at FanDuel, brought to you by the Ringer, and of course Spotify is the gang. We have our beautiful production staff that is always with us: the Chief Vibes Officer Chris Sutton, the exceptional one Kyle Williams, and the Dad, the Myth, the Legend Tony Gill. And we are now joined by. Ringer and football royalty, huh? And and you know he, he him and she'll do it there. You know Philadelphia touch on what we do here on the full go. You can check him out at theringer.com. He is Ben Solak. Ben, uh, haven't talked to you since um, the great news. So congratulations, by the Thanks, way. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. I tell you, second best thing that happened to me this year is, is having a kid. First best thing is a Jason Golf intro. Holy smokes. Oh, I, 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 I live for it. So I'm like, oh, yes, I'm Kyle, Antonio, Chris, everything. Yeah, yeah. I, had to, I had to host a pod for Shield. He was sick the other week. And then oh. they start that recording. I have no idea what to say. Like, the second I have to host, I'm, I'm, I'm frozen, man. I don't have the experience. Jason hops on the mic, no problem. Something That's the best part of it, though. That's the yeah, best part. You know? Yeah, and, and this, well, it's all downhill from there. You know, at some point, <laughs> I'll jumble some words. I'll forget a name. And then we'll wrap it up with me asking you what the fuck you're listening to lately so we can, you know, put the Spotify spin on it. You know, got a brand. Got a brand. Um, ben, you, um, you have been... One of you and Steven Ruiz, and this is this is what I'll say, you know, working for and with the Ringer people. I, I've told everybody who, who's listened, like I wasn't as familiar with the product uh, before I jumped down, and it has been an absolute enlightenment to. And I'm not, you know, I'm not shining the apple here, so lax, so don't get it twisted. But it has All been right. it has been enlightening to hear you and my man Steven Ruiz, um, and and read you guys talk about football in the manner that you do and with the reverence that you do and then football people respect y'all like football people hear and read the stuff that you guys say and are lockstep in the line with you outside of you know little weasels who run around fox sports every once in a while but other than that guy you know you and steve ruiz have really um informed me so to my delight, this second half of this season, you've been talking about Justin Fields in a way that I've been talking about Justin Fields. And right. you're, you know, you're being caught, cast as out of town stupid here in Chicago now. Oh, he doesn't see oh, yeah. it. Why? Yeah, yeah. You're, nice. you're, anytime that you say something against what you know, half of what the fan base thinks, yeah. you'll, you'll be cast as out of town stupid. But you watch the plays, you watch the route concepts, you watch, you you study the play calling. Justin Fields, man, I mean, it's the, it's the $6 million question getting ready to come up here. Not just will they trade him or will they keep the pick, whatever the case may be, but his growth as a quarterback and yeah. the amount of time that it takes to develop a quarterback. Where do you think he's at with the amount of coordinators had, he's had, with the, the deconstruction of a roster? Like, how do you how do you scale an outside of your outstanding piece, outstanding piece that's on the ringer.com? I shared it. You guys should check it out if you love football, if you love the Chicago Bears, and if you like or hate Justin Fields either way. But where do you rate his development curve? Obviously, it's not linear. It's kind of jagged. But especially yeah. closing out this season, what have you seen? This is the best ball Fields has played, and this is the ball that that makes me confident he can play in the league for a long time, right? Uh, I, I I always say when I talk about quarterback play that, uh, you know, Tiger doesn't change his stripes. You kind of are what you are in terms of your play style, right? And you can get better or worse within your play style, but a guy who takes a lot of sacks, a lot of scrambles, a lot, a lot of risky throws the way Fields does, he's always going to be that way, right? It's always going to be his nature. He's going to be risk-prone. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to take sacks. He's going to 
you know, take a long time to throw it. That's fine. There's ways to be successful playing that way. And for much of the first two years of Justin Fields, we saw what it looks like when it's unsuccessful, right? Okay, there's a, a, a Cowboys 2022 game here or there where he's lighting the world on fire. There's a Patriots 2022 game where he's running the ball 15 times. They're all together. It's, it doesn't look pretty, right? Taking too many sacks and scrambling too much, not getting rid of the ball quick enough, not throwing it in rhythm. Over the last six weeks, I come back from that thumb injury. We've seen him dramatically cut down his sack rate. His sack rate right now is the lowest it's been over the course of his three years. He's cut down his interceptable throw rate. It's the lowest it's been over the course of three years. He's also cut down his scramble rate, which just feels a good scrambler. It's good when he scrambles. But in general, when, when sacks are going down and scrambles are going down, that tells me he's playing within the structure of the offense more successfully, which is what you've wanted to see. Now, it is intuitive that this would be the moment in which this happens because DJ Moore is in the building. And it's not week one with DJ Moore. It's week five with DJ Moore. We, it's him with DJ Moore. Kind of, you know, what day of the week he's playing with him. Obviously, he missed mm -hmm. some time in there. Right. Uh, Chase Claypool's out of the building. That really helps. You trust. You're, instead of having only four guys you want to play the football to, you actually got five out there now. It's a big difference. Offensive line is stabilized. Devin Jenkins has been healthy. He's been active. And he's been playing. Left tackle is stabilized, right? And, like, these are relative terms. I think you can still get a little better at left tackle. There's other offensive line spots you can improve at. But in terms of Fields' career, this is the best it's been. And so for the first two years, you know, maybe maybe people are saying, I don't know, Chicago, you can check my Justin Fields credentials. I've been, I've been there. There hasn't been a moment in the first two seasons where it was like, oh, it would make sense for Fields to be good now and he's not. There wasn't a single moment where it would have made sense structure-wise and supporting cast-wise and play-caller-wise for Fields to suddenly have the light bulb go on. And never. But in his third season, second year with the coordinator and a star receiver in DJ Moore, the, the pieces are actually there for it to coalesce. You're seeing it coalesce, and it's excellent to see. That conversation is separate than the what to do in 2024 offseason conversation. They're connected, but they're, they're still separate. And that's what's challenging. It's right at this moment where it feels like Fields is becoming what we wanted him to be. We're approached with an unavoidable decision, having the first overall pick in the Caleb Williams draft. That's what's hard. If this had happened two months earlier, it'd be easier. And if this had happened one month later, it'd be easier. But here we are right now, yeah. and it's happening live, and it's tough to handle. That's why last year sucked, because last yeah. year was the development year. And mm -hmm. meanwhile, he's running around throwing the ball to Equinemia St. Brown. Shout out to the St. Brown boys. I don't want no smoke with them or yeah. their father. Uh, maybe I've been too hard on Luke Getze. Mm -hmm. and, and and there's confirmation bias at least three or four times a game. We're like, ah, that's the play. But I don't know if it's been any more frequent than a respected play call around the league would have three or four plays in a game. We're like, what the hell is that? So I'll ask you this. From the route concepts to some of the, the static routes that we saw last year, as opposed to some things that they get a chance to do now with Cole Komet being a more trusted target, DJ Moore being a more tr uh, an outstanding target, um, what have you seen from Luke Getze developmental-wise from an offensive play caller standpoint, not just from yeah. who he's trying to tutor, but how he's grown into the job and has he earned the right to co quarter oh, coach, I should say the next quarterback, whether it be Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. Yeah. So from a scheme perspective, what do they do in X's and O's on the chalkboard? Getze's running a lot of the same stuff that he's been running. Uh, and, and that stuff was never terrible. It was never like revolutionary. We didn't walk in and Mike McDaniel, this whole thing, like the way the Dolphins coach did, you know, it wasn't Kyle Shanahan, but it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad stuff by any stretch. He's running, you know, uh, common stuff, Green Bay twist on a Shanahan system, whatever. From an execution perspective, do the receivers break the routes where they're supposed to break them? Do the offensive linemen pick up the guys they're supposed to pick up in protection? Do all 11 players know what the other 10 are doing on the field? From an execution perspective, it's gotten a lot better. Now there's a, you can, you can argue a couple, a couple, 
sources for that. And it's hard to know without being in the building. You can argue, you know, Fields just kind of, the light bulb went on for him, he started trusting it, and that makes everybody's life easier. That's absolutely true, right? Once Fields is actually throwing a curl in rhythm, the curl is more likely to be in rhythm every single time, right? So that makes sense. You can argue positional coaches, right? You can say, okay, Getsy's directing the, the scheme, but it's it's Andrew Janoko is their quarterback's coach. He figured out how to get Fields to see it and grip it and rip it when he wasn't doing it previously. You can argue it was the positional coaches kind of working with their units. You can you can make a you know locker room cancer argument with Claypool and the receivers pretty easily. Like that's not hard to to do, right? When a guy like that is getting playing time, it kind of drains Tyler Scott's interest in getting the offense right. All of a sudden he's at the building, Tyler Scott wakes up a little bit more. That's the nature of football. So there's there's a lot of different sources that can come from. But schematically, I wouldn't say that uh Getsy was doing something 22. And then he came around halfway through 23 and he figured out some new stuff. He certainly has changed what he's done. And the Beijing month kind of had them experiment with a couple of things. And that's always you get a new quarterback in there. You start throwing some stuff at the wall, see what sticks. But altogether, I wouldn't say it's been a revolutionary arc for him or he's dramatically changed my opinion of him. I think he's fine. I don't think he's the best OC in the league. I don't think he's the worst. From a execution perspective, the, the Bears make remarkably fewer knuckleheaded mistakes right now than they did in the start of the season. And that is your argument for this offensive coaching staff staying and being retained is that the players are, are executing on the field a lot better. So I don't know what the comp would be. I know what I thought it was going to be coming out of college. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought there would be, you know, a Steve McNair vibe to Justin Fields' game after I saw him play against Clemson, after you see him play in the college football playoff. It's like, okay, he's tough as nails. What's going to happen when he doesn't have these people around him? Is he still going to compete at a high level and also make the throws to win games? I mean, you know, we saw Steve McNair at Alcorn State you know, slinging the pill around, and he had to sit for a couple of years, mm -hmm. a year and a half behind Chris Chandler, and then he goes on to win a co-MVP award, have a, a damn near Hall of Fame type of career, be a winning quarterback. What do you think Justin Fields is on the track to now? And if it's not a particular player profile or an actual, you know, guy that we can reference, like, what do you think his ceiling is in the NFL? Yeah. So I'm very confident that he can have a Tyrod Taylor career arc right now, right? We're like Tyrod, right? He got, he was there in Baltimore for years. He got an opportunity to start. He wasn't going to hold down the starting job, but he's in the back of it, four separate spots. And when he gets out there, offense usually looks pretty good. Like I'm confident that that field is going to be able to hang the league for a long time, make money as a QB two, might be bouncing around places. But when he gets in there, it's going to be better than a lot of QB twos because what he can do with his legs is mobility, throwing down the field, same as Tyrod. So I'm very confident we can do that. I think, expecting fields to have a, a Geno Smith level career arc where he bounces around as a backup and then ends up getting a starting job and holding it down. I think that's well within range. I think that's very, very possible. Uh, what's tricky for fields. Now, if you just take him in a vacuum, take the Chicago out of it, he was a, so almost a three-year starter. Right. And, and, and he had so much experience and so much playing time and experience helps you grow. Playing helps you grow early for fields. It was damaging him early for fields. It was, it was, it was, he had, he was learning bad habits because he had to solve problems for a bad offensive line, solve problems for bad receivers. So a lot of the, the, the first year of Getsy was unlearning the last year of Nagy, right? It was unraveling mm. some bad habits, getting him back to zero and then building some good habits on him. So right now, well, he's finally like, playing well, experiencing wins, his receivers are helping him. Like he's learning how to like trust Cole Komet. Like it took a long time for those two guys to like, trust each other. And all of a sudden he's throwing him, you know, sideline passes in the end zone against the Falcons, right? He's just starting to develop these relationships. Now he might get displaced and he might get put on a different team with different guys, different system and not have a bona fide starting job. The moment that experience started to help him, he might lose it. And you don't know what that's going to do for his development. So that's tricky. And that's why I say Gino, because Gino's got to bounce around and then eventually landed in Seattle where he could stay for long enough with a really good culture. 
And when he got the opportunity for a starting job, he played well enough to earn that big contract. And so I'm, I'm very confident, Jason, that we're going to be in 2028, 2029, acknowledging that Justin Fields is in the league. I think he's going to be around for a long time. What he does with starting opportunities will depend a lot on, on where he lands, who the coaches are there, and what they're able to do with him. Last two questions that kind of tandem, you know, you can mm-hmm. knock them out yeah, as, as quickly as you want to. Um, what will the, well, what should the Bears do? And if Justin Fields has to move on, which seems like he will, what do you think the best fit for him out there with a quarterback availability? Yeah. So I think the Bears should trade Fields and take a quarterback at one. The reason I do is it, it's pretty simple. The most valuable thing you can have in the league is a good quarterback on a rookie contract. It is by far, by a mile, the most valuable resource in the NFL. Check any team who's drafted a good quarterback with a rookie contract, they're able to go and get insane free agents, make insane trades, and do big extensions and build a contending team. Burrow with the Bengals, Eagles with Hurts, Jags with Trevor Lawrence. Like, he, like The Jags didn't even work, but just look at all the money they spent. They signed like 19,000 contract. Got Wood Robinson Harris, right? Go we get ready. That advantage is enormous. And those, like, I, I wrote the piece on that, and Bears fans are like, well, you're discounting the advantage of, like, Marvin Harrison on a rookie deal. No, I'm not. You need about seven Marvin Harrisons on seven rookie deals to get close to the value quarterback gives you. That's how big of a difference the quarterback contracts are than the wide receiver deals. And so uh, you can trade the first overall pick for a, a, a Pirates booty if you want. Go for it. Live your dreams. you got to hit on every single pick, all of the premium positions to get close to the value of hitting on quarterback. And so the competitive advantage of getting to spend that first overall pick on a quarterback and get that rookie deal is so great. I don't think you can ignore it when Justin Fields is going to have one year left on his rookie deal, fifth year option is going to be 23 million. And then all of a sudden he's a 35, $40 million player. if He continues to be good. And so the, it, the advantage is too great. I think you have to move on from him. When you do, you're going to get at least one, probably two day, two picks, which is nothing to sneeze at. And I think it, when we start talking about fits, I think the best spot for him is Pittsburgh. I think culturally, I think Mike Tomlin's going to be really good for him. I think he would play really well with a receiver like George Pickens. That offensive line in that running game, I think it would be largely to his benefit. They could do a lot of stuff similar to what Chicago's done in terms of using his legs and running option stuff. You don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be, but that means you can go out and access guys who have experience working with running quarterbacks and make sure that you build a system around, around fields. So I think I think Tomlin would be great for him. I think he would look sick in a Pittsburgh uniform also, for being honest. Uh, and so altogether, I think that, that that's a good spot for him. People bring up Atlanta. I think Atlanta might have a coaching change. I don't really know what their business is at this point. Pittsburgh's the one to me I like the most. Ben, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. A terrific piece. If you haven't read it yet, what the hell are you doing? It is titled, How Will the Bears Handle Their Franchise-Defining Moment? And, of course, it is authored by none other than our guy, Ben Solak. You can check out on Philly Special. Ben, thank you so much once again. Congratulations, man, on everything. And, of course, the addition to the family and the puppy and all those things. Uh, you know, here's uh, happy walking from here on yeah. out, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Jason. Bear down. Beat the Packers Week 18. Make it fun. Look, look at Ben being a fucking meatball out here. Look Come at on. <laughs> Ben Solak right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. 
that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. We got a three-leg same-game parlay straight from the casual betting brothers. We're going with Jordan Love over passing yards for 243 and a half. We got DJ Moore scoring two or more touchdowns. Think DJ Moore is going to have a big game off this Pro Bowl snub. We got the Bears on the money line, damn it. We living in Chicago, and ain't no way in hell I'm picking the Packers over the Bears. Final week of the season, maybe Justin Fields' final game. It's not happening. So once again, three legs, same game parlay. Jordan Love over passing yards. DJ Moore to score two or more touchdowns. And the Chicago Bears on the money line over the Green Bay Packers. You know why you love FanDuel? The app is so easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet, like the live same game parlays, or you can go on the new Explore tab and find bets galore. Get it? Explore and galore. I apologize. I won't do that again. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and the best way to find popular parlays is the Parlay Hub and so much more. Or you can go old school like I just did with a three-leg same-game parlay, nice and clean and tidy, and get your dough. All right, so visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O. And make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. The full goal with Jason Goff. I'd like to call Tony Gill to the front of the room. I know, oh, yes, sir. I know this is a full go podcast. I know we do all things Chicago, but you know, we dip and dabble, you know, every once in a while. Dude, that Bucks thing is done. Your man Chris Middleton was the final piece, and that was two mm-hmm. years ago. <laughs> when Chris <laughs> Middleton was stopped being able to walk. And, and and shoot baskets. Yeah. This thing fell off, and boy, they can't guard a soul now. They got the Pacers running up and down, climbing their ass. They got the San Antonio Spurs, who have lost as many games damn near as the Detroit Pistons over the last thirty. Dude, now now let's let's get it let's get it right. Victor Wembanyama is that dude, and is going to be that dude. Mm-hmm. And for this Shaq, is the worst we're gonna ever see him. I think people need to remember that. This is the yeah. absolute worst that we're going to ever see this do. If it's Shaq to utter that bull bull stuff, like big fella, yeah. big fan, uh, love you, but come come the fuck on, man. That, that right there is generational shit. Not just some dude coming off the bench or some cat you got to spot play and you know guard his minutes. I saw him close out on a three, one foot in the paint, block it, and when the score was 101-101. Like, quality winning time minutes he's making these plays then i seen him get dunked on by Giannis. he comes back doors Giannis. next thing you know he's dunking the ball like they're going back and forth that was some fun stuff but that being said man 
Damian Lillard got a chance to, you know, not defend in obscurity in Portland for all those years. And, and now in year, what, 13, 12, you, you, he's not as spry as he used to be. He, he actually got up and punched it on somebody the other day, a couple of days ago. He dunked, he dunked somebody. Uh, big man, too, I believe. But, whew, that man is a turnstile. And they got Giannis in all types of pick-and-roll trouble, which I never thought I'd see. Like, Giannis being the backline defender on a pick-and-roll and having a hedge up is a little bit different these days. It's a little bit different. And I know they got Brooke Lopez. I know they're going to be able to defend a little bit better in the playoffs. And, I, you know, the, I thought the Drew Holiday thing was a little overstated um, in terms of his defense because nobody loves Drew more than I love Drew. And then, you know, he was like my Mike Conley for a while where it's like everybody started talking about him. I was like, all right, cool. You guys, you guys. You pay too much money. Yeah, yeah. You guys, have, you guys have lamed out now the Drew Holiday talk. Now everybody loves him. Now he's everybody's favorite two-way player and all this other bullshit. And then Miami got a, got a you know, got a hold of him. And Jimmy Butler lit his ass on fire <laughs> in that playoff series last year. I think that's when a lot of that got put to bed. But boy, they cannot guard a soul. And they can't play in the 130s. They can't, they can't consistently do it. I don't give a shit. And I know they they what, you know, two and a half, three games out of the top spot in the East, but they're not playing the same ball that Philly or Boston are playing. And if they got to make a trade for a defender, good luck. Good luck. You see how much. And you say what you want about the Knicks trade, but you see how much the Knicks had to give up. Knicks had to give up quickly. They had to give up a dude who was the fifth, what, fifth to sixth pick overall in the draft and R.J. Barrett, who I think turned into exactly, like, there's certain dudes who who turn into what you think they're going to turn into, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm right with that. That's exactly who R.J. Barrett turned into. R.J. Barrett going to get you 17, whether you like it or not, and, and, and going to mess around and get you 30 once a month to make to tease you just enough. But him going back to Toronto, you know, I think he'll be fine, but OG Ananobi cost. It cost a lot. Emmanuel quickly is going to have, I think, uh, an effect, not like Tyrese Maxey had, but like a poor man's Tyrese Maxey because he's going to have the ball in his hand a lot more in in Toronto than he did in New York. So if you want to go out there and find yourself a defender, if you are the Milwaukee Bucks, you're going to have to pay a, a king's ransom. And I know they don't give a shit about first-round picks, but it's going to cost you. And that's where the Bulls come into play, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, see? I want to address something. I want to address something, and I want to address it now. Okay? Because in this new year, where I have been, um, I've been influenced and inspired by the spirit of Cat Williams, uh, I will say this and say this now. Y'all can believe all this bullshit that y'all hearing if you want to about there not being a market for Zach Williams. Y'all can believe that if you want to. Zach Levine. And Zach Levine. <laughs> right. Shout out to Zach Williams, whoever you are out there playing quality AAU or rec league basketball. Damn it. That's crazy. Zach Williams and Zach Levine were fused. I would take that play. That oh, sounds like Zach a really Levine dope player. What? You put them yeah. in the fly machine? You got LeBron <laughs> damn near. Right? Um... But man, if I'm buying a car from an old lady or an old man who hasn't driven that car in a while, which I've done before, it's best best people to poach. Oh yeah, you got that you got that the 76 Lincoln Continental in the, in the garage and 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 and, and pop pop died and yeah, you, you ain't driven it since. Let me take that off your hands for a good 15 grand real quick. Let me let me come in there and see what it's looking like. But I gotta start that thing up. Right, I got to be able to go down the block. 
And I got to be able to see how many people I can fit in it. All right, you got you to gotta be able to kick the tires on these things. Zach Levine not having a trade market is one thing, but Zach Levine not having a trade market while he's hurt is a totally different conversation. Like the national, I love it when national people talk about Chicago because something jumps up in me like, like it does with the rest of y'all. It's like, hey, y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all not watching these games I'm watching. Y'all, y'all not reading and talking to the people that I'm talking to. And then you're like, calm down, Jay. You're talking about a 10th through 12th spot in the, in the Eastern Conference that the Bulls are vying for. Like, it's not, it's not that serious. Although, man, on a national televised stage, and the fact that, that you got, what is it, Wednesday basketball, midweek basketball in the month of January on ABC, on Channel 7? What? You almost took me back to my NBA on NBC theme, huh? I thought Matt Gukas and and, 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 and the boy and, and Doug Collins and the boys about to come on and, and give me the you know the, the what for it. All I know is this: Stephen A. Smith, Bob Myers, Michael Wilbon, and Adrian Wojnarowski. For them to say that there is no market for Zach Levine, I think is a little um it's hyperbolic. It's hyperbolic. There is a market for Zach Levine. He's a 25-point-per-game scorer who does it at an efficient rate, who, if you're not asking to be the best player on your team, you're fine with, okay? Now, you haven't seen him be that for two and a half weeks now, two weeks, something like that. And frankly, you haven't seen him be that since the start of the season. Like, Zach Levine not playing well to start this season was the issue. And then the foot injury happened, and then the fallout, and then the Rich Paul and him showing up uh, side court, or front court, I should say, center court, first row during the uh, the college basketball tournament. The United Center had everybody up in arms, but Zach Levine didn't play well to start this season. So let's not act like Zach Levine wasn't the guy in the last two years who was vying for an all-star berth and all these other things. Like, that guy just needs to show himself for the next couple of weeks until February 8th. And from all the uh, all the indicators, he's going to play. On Friday, he's gonna he's, he's gonna be playing. When you hear this pod, and maybe he will have played. If you listen to this pod late, you heathen, you dirty scoundrel, you should get this thing in early in the morning, like everybody else does. If Zach Levine goes on the week and a half, two week tear that I, I think he may try to go on, boosts his trade lever, uh, trade standing or trade value helps out leverage for the Chicago Bulls so they don't have to maybe staple an Alex Caruso or Patrick Williams to the deal to sweeten it. Maybe don't get back a horrible contract just because Zach Levine is still struggling with a right foot injury. To say that he doesn't have a trade market, I think is a little disingenuous and a little hyperbolic. To say that maybe the trade market will take place and come into effect as soon as he starts to get cooking, which, let's face it, Nobody's expecting Zach Levine to go out there and average 15 and six assists and five rebounds. Nobody's expecting that. That's not his game. Hasn't been his game since he stepped into the league. He is a scorer. He's a slasher. He's a tough shot maker. He's now become a really, really good catch and shoot player. And on top of it, if Zach Levine comes back and plays halfway decent, let's say Zach Levine averages 21 points a game, which, by the way, I was talking to Casey Johnson about this earlier today on another pod. Yo, we've taken for granted how tough it is to get 23, 24 points a game. Now, you may say, oh, anybody's got to score on a tough team. I can dig it. I understand. But that being the case, it's even easier to 
single out who the hell the best player on is a bad on a the best player is on a bad team and say, you know what, I'm just trying to shut him down. You see what's happened the last four or five games with Kobe White, right? Like that top of the scout report is not kind to anybody. And especially when your shot isn't falling. And the Bulls have not played well in their last five or six games. They haven't. So I think Zach is going to drop back in this thing exactly how he's supposed to, with them needing him just enough and needing his offensive output just enough. DeMar DeRozan, I think, will go back to being who he was before Zach went out. You know, this sharing is caring. DeMar has been fun to watch. But when another dude gets out there who's got that, you know, that that shoot-first mentality, I think DeMar is going to, I won't say revert, but I think he's going to be himself. And we'll find out where Kobe White and where Patrick Williams fit in. But Zach Levine ain't coming back here to be nobody else but Zach Levine, especially if he wants to be moved, which for all intents and purposes, he's kind of stated, you know, in, in so many words. He, he's, he's fine with being elsewhere. And he's putting it on the Bulls' front office for being the ones that kind of kick this thing off. So I, I see Zach Levine coming back after his minutes restriction is done, you know, maybe after Friday's game, maybe after the second Charlotte game on Sunday or Monday, whatever it is. I see after his minutes restriction being done, I see Zach going to town. I see Zach turning up just so he can show people that there should be a market and there actually is a market. It's just they got to see if the wheel is okay. Got to see if the, the foot is all right. So I was listening to that, thinking to myself, yeah, it sounds good. Sounds great. But there's, there's about four or five teams in each conference that are contenders right now who would be happy to add Zach Levine. And when, I, when you look at the $43 million and the $46 million and then the $49 million player option, yeah, this is a steep price tag. Steep. Steep, I tell you. But into the same media group, you know, two two years ago, a year ago, they said, hey, wait till this next CBA and how much of a value certain contracts are going to look like. Well, if Zach Levine in a year has demonstrably cut his value in half because of poor play or injury or lack of winning when he's been on the court, then that goes to speak to who shouldn't have signed him, right? Like, it's Arturish Karnaschova's time, y'all. And it has been for a while. You know, let, let's really, really take a look at what this thing has been and hasn't been. Since the Nikola Vucevic trade, this thing has been chasing its tail for about a year and a half, two years now. And Lonzo Ball being the underpinning of the house of cars that kind of got snatched and everything fell down and Kobe White finding his sea legs. And I mean, hell, you remember what we were talking about at the beginning of this season? Javon Carter might be the starting point guard for this team. Uh, y'all, Y'all better... Thank y'all lucky stars that Kobe White put in the work that he put in this offseason. Because if Kobe was 14 and, and four instead of, you know, 18 and five or whatever he is right now, 22 and five, what he's been over the last two weeks, we've had, we're having a totally different conversation. We're talking about firing everybody. Like Kobe's covered up a lot of the stench and Zach not being there and, and all the stuff around Zach. We said it was going to be a long time before he got moved or was he willing to be the villain for a month or so? Then his foot injury pops up. He's been off the grid. You haven't had a chance to talk to him. You see these workout videos that have popped up a couple of times now. Like, this thing has worked out if you're Zach Levine in a way that um, I don't, I didn't expect. Like, I expected Zach Levine to have to answer questions for three weeks straight. And then the foot injury happened, and he was like, sorry, no, I don't have to speak to anybody because I'm not uh, a functional member of this basketball team. But 
Our tours kind of show was, hey, listen, I know you ain't getting shit back to Zach, right? You're going to get a contract maybe that you don't want. You're going to get a player maybe that you don't want. But from here on out, <laughs> so on you, baby. All these gyms that I was told that AK could get into around the world, you know, there's no, there's no gym that he can't get into around. Well, guess what? They better start opening bitches back up because this next couple of years, especially the, the February 8th on, it's proven time. And it has been proving time. And if no rebuild is in sight, that's, that's, that's even more of your neck and hangman's noose. Because when an ownership group or when the powers that be can look at you and say, hey, hey, by the way, guess what you're not going to do? <laughs> you're not going to tear this thing down. So enjoy making us as um, appealing as possible after February 8th. So DeMar DeRozan, if you got plans for him playing elsewhere, good luck. Three-month rental, final year of his deal. <laughs> 30, what, 34 now? <laughs> 35, something like that? Good luck. Nikola Vucevic, well, if you try to trade Vooch a year, what, months into his three-year extension, guess who's off the way, on the way out the door? Guess who's on the way out the door if that happens? You. <laughs> the dude who traded for him and then extended him only to trade him during his first trade deadline uh, market availability. So, this ain't no tear down. This this ain't this ain't you know. Hey Kobe. Hey Patrick. Here goes the ball. Go have fun, right? This this ain't this ain't staring the twenty eight wins in the face. No 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 no. Y'all gonna have to provide dinner theater for three months after. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. I and I am happy about it. It's time. It's time for us to start finding out. What's behind all the the cloak and dagger? What's behind all the you know the the the, the misinformation and, and and secret nature of this this uh, front office? It's time, man. It's time. Everybody else has been blamed. Everybody else has been talked about ad nauseum. Zach Levine is going to be Zach Levine for the next eight nine years of his career wherever he lands. Demar Derozan has had himself a Hall of Fame career. Hell, Nikola Vucevic as an All Star a couple of times over as a focal point of an Orlando Magic team, getting him to the playoffs and bumping his head on that ceiling year in and year out. The the verdict has been in on all the principal characters in the Bulls organization who are on the floor. Verdict is coming in on Kobe White. Hell, the verdict might already be in on Patrick Williams, another Arturis Karnaschovas pick. So. All I know is, while everybody's talking about there not being a trade market for Zach Levine, guess who has to make one? And guess who has to come away with it? something to make Bulls fans feel like, you know what, this isn't all for not. Kobe White ain't going to save it. That ain't his pick. That ain't your pick, right? Marco Simonovic is not playing basketball for the Bulls anymore while the Bulls are searching for a, a rotational big man. These second-round picks got to hit too, by the way. Right? I, I can't clap for Ayo DeSumo and then look at Dale and Terry and Julian Phillips, who I think is going to actually be a decent player. Right? Julian Phillips got some real minutes against the 76ers, looked good. Uh, he hasn't really looked out of place as a 19-year-old, which is, uh, I think, is, is amazing to say. Right? But these picks got to hit. <laughs> Simple as that. How many more are you going to get? 
How many more trade possibilities will there be? So while everybody's eyes on Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and, and, and what may happen with Patrick Williams or is Alex Caruso worth a first-round pick? I'm looking squarely, squarely at the owner's suite at the UC. I don't get a chance to see Arturis Karnasovas in there anytime I'm in the suites or anytime I'm at the UC. Get a chance to see Arturis Karnasovas in the media room every once in a while when he drops dime on my employer. But other than that, don't know much of his work. Don't know what's happening right now. Looking forward to finding out what the architect of the Bulls has in store. So, yeah, if there ain't no trade market in place, guess who has to make one? Guess who has to come away with a team that is not being rebuilt, but is supposed to entertain and compete, which is everything that we heard coming into this. But then again, everything we heard coming into this was drafting and developing. And then six months later, you're trading Wendell Carter Jr. You're trading the likes of Larry Marketing, who you know was on the way out and, and had been moved already. I mean, the, 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 the nuts and bolts of this team, the foundation of this team has been removed. You know, we were, we were, we were in awe. We were shocked that you could turn over a roster in one year and Kobe White and Zach Levine be the remaining remnants of, of a Jim Boylan era past. But guess what? We ain't talking about them anymore. Gar Foreman and John Paxson have not been on the tip of anyone's tongue in two years now. It's time to find out what you have in the executive vice president's chair. So if there is no market, pull a Houdini. I mean, we haven't seen you much anyway. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for Happy jumping New on the Year. show. I oh, appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for freaking you, Allison, being so patient. Um, the last three months have been like sort of bananas. Uh, so it Tell was, me really nice. What's happening? Man, it was just really nice to have like 10 days off around the holidays to reset. So uh, this worked out perfect. So thanks for having me. But yeah, everything's no. good, man. How about you? Everything's good? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I crack. I cracked the latest uh, L. Duncan show open. You know, you and G. Ski, Gary Strisky, 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 but you can call it that Yeah. 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 So you and G. Ski chopping it up. Um, I'm. Uh, I'm okay. You know, the New Year is uh, hopefully gonna. You know, we all do that. Uh, the New Year is gonna be better than the last year. I'm like, yeah. man, the last year was cool. Like the last yeah. year was cool me you know i enjoy I'm not it big on like let me become a new person no. at the, of the year it's like I, you know what i really i got i had some good momentum in last year that i hope to just keep going into this year like i don't think you have to make some big proclamations about what you're hoping to do and change that's um, it. so you know that's it yeah i was trying Thanks to tell a different year <laughs> i was trying to tell the young well said the young folks god damn i was trying to tell some of the people like my man kyle williams and my buddy brandon that i worked with at NBC sports chicago about like what I do on New Year's Eve and, and which is oh my just God. chill, just chill. And one day that they will understand how- They can't fathom it. How imagine, Kyle, it Kyle, imagine a world where for like four or five straight years, someone has to wake you up from your slumber on the couch, not drunk slumber, just slumber and go, 
happy new years. And then you say, thank you. And then you go back to sleep on the couch. That's what's waiting for you. It's great. Your feet don't hurt. You can get a drink whenever you want and it costs no money. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy my time where I'm just sitting there watching a family feud for the third straight hour and hanging out with uh, my fiance and, you know, watching her, uh, cause she's on married at first sight. She's, uh, one of the doctors on married at first sight on lifetime. So we watched that show for a couple of minutes. Are you serious? Wait, which one? Dr. Pia. Dr. (gasps) Pia. Oh my God. Uh-oh. I oh, shit. love Married at First Sight. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Pastor Cal and Dr. Pia. Yeah, oh, she's been my doing gosh. Anything. Well, she's stunning. Well done, Yeah, sir. thank you. Thank you. Thank well you. Well done, sir. Yeah. And smart. Okay, Goff. See, I love this. Everyone I work with, all of my colleagues, all have, like, incredible wives, and it really, really makes me feel very differently about them. I already loved you, and I think you're great. <laughs> at your job and all that but now i know you're an excellent person she's the best no she's she's good she's good that's it's so funny that you say that because um you know uh dominique foxworth over the last year you know become closer to him and talking to him about life and the business and those kinds of things and uh recently you know uh ashley uh, I, I started following Ashley, his wife on Instagram, and she she chimed in when she saw Lil Jace uh, at Tao actually yesterday, and I told him how much I appreciated them. And it's so crazy because you know we we do this and we talk about athletes and we talk about games and we talk about players. And I was actually talking to the production staff a couple of you know, last pod about how this year we try to open up and not just because I try to bring the, the human side as much as I possibly can to this thing. Cause in the end, everybody's talking about the same backup right guard oh, yeah. or who the, who the MVP is going to be, but like Correct. making this thing a little bit more human on both sides in terms of the coverage and the coverers or whatever the case may be. And I remember you posting um, not too long ago about like just regular life and what regular life does to us in this industry and in this business and also how we have to always, you know, put on that front face and making sure that, you know, nobody gives a damn what your day was like. It's time to perform. Uh, in your last year, and whether it be game day, whether it be sports center, whether it be the pod, um, what have you found that you have had to sacrifice in terms of some view and what have you found that, you know, you, you've gained in, in terms of just getting back to yourself? Because I think I think more of us are on that journey than a lot of people realize. We just, you know, we know when it's so time that it's time to, to put on. Yeah, I mean, I do think, um, thanks for saying that, Goff. I really do feel like, um, I feel like one of the things that people don't understand, and I always like uh, play Jay-Z in my head when I say this too, right? Like can't complain who will listen because we do have really super cool jobs, but there Mm -hmm. are some things to consider just like any job. um, There are things that you do have to sacrifice. There are crosses that you have to bear. One of the sacrifices, I think specifically with what, with what I do in the sports center space is um, there is no real off switch, you know, like, I work with colleagues who are like, you know, their specialty is NFL or their specialty is one particular thing. So you can kind of gorge yourself on this one particular thing and then get a reprieve even from football, right? For you, I'm like, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, right? Like, like there's a little bit of a reprieve. Right. There is no reprieve when you do sports center. I mean, if you're not talking about football, you're talking about something else and something else and something else. The seasons just keep going and they keep. And so I think that for me, the last seven years working at ESPN, I have sacrificed being, um, a good everything else. 
Like I have focused singularly on being a really good broadcaster. I focused really hard on my career. I was really intentional for the last 20 years, which is why you can be doing traffic, you know, eight, nine years ago mm-hmm. and then land on ESPN, right? Because I was so intentional. I was so focused on getting better and learning and growing and all of those things. And I think what I've realized over this last year is maybe it's because I turned 40 is that I don't know that I've spent a ton of time uh, becoming a better version of like myself. I think I've become a better broadcaster and a better TV personality and a better presenter, but I don't know that I'm like a better mother or wife or friend. I don't know that I'm a better supporter or ally um, to friends who are also in marginalized groups um, who need support and allyship from people like me who just say things like, I just don't even have the time to like, you know, have the bandwidth to wrap my head around it. So I would say in general, the sacrifice is um, being really great at one thing and then letting everything else, letting all the other balls drop. So I would like to focus a little bit more this year if possible. I don't do resolutions. We just talked about this, Scott. I'm not going to do resolutions. But if I could focus or be intentional about something this year, maybe I would say being more intentional about making sure that I'm not just a great TV personality, but that I'm a great friend too. You know, um, if one more person in my life that I love looks at me and goes, I get it, you're busy. And that's just tough when like everyone kind of says the same thing to you. I get it, you're busy, which is always a blanketed excuse for something that you did not do. So, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> no, you know, for sure. Um, and, and then in terms of like, honestly, in terms of things that I gained this year in particular, I need people. I'm a social person. I love connecting with people. The pandemic was particularly hard on me. I know a lot of introvert friends who were like, oh, this was great. Like, you know, apart from like the pandemic part of it and the illness and obviously that was devastating, but just from the social distancing aspect, they loved it. Like they were thriving. They were in their best universe and world sort of being by themselves, being at home. I need to talk to people. I need to meet people. I need to look at new places. Like I require that. It is an energy source for me. People are. So this year I finally really post pandemic was able to get back to traveling with work personally, reconnecting with people, meeting new people. I went to Australia. So I would say that this year has been great in terms of the growth for me, um, to reconnect with people, which is the most important thing for me. You know, it's so, so wild that you said the part about like reconnecting with yourself. And, you know, I, I hear that and I, you know, tried to say that. And then I, for whatever reason, I stopped saying it one, because, you know, as a dude walking around with uh, other dudes around you, it's hard to go, Hey man, Hey dog, I, I'm just trying to reconnect and find where Jason truly is. Cause then they're right. going to be like, Hey, get your corny ass right. out what? of here. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, so it doesn't help. Uh, being a male sometimes on that side when you're trying to stand out with your, with your best buds. But the whole reconnecting with yourself part, you know, and, and I go to therapy every Thursday. And yeah. I, I talk to her about, you know, these things. And by the end of seemingly every session, it's like, what are you doing for yourself? And then I say, well, I'm just trying to trying to get Jay's cursive right, or I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure that my fiance knows that if I can't do everything that I'm, you know, attempting to try to make the effort to do, and, and it always comes back to other people. And yeah. I, I think also, 
in this medium that we're in. For me, especially, the, the interaction with people, I, I think, serves people more than it does for me at times when we're just talking sports and I want to yeah. talk about something else or yeah. people know you and you don't know them. So it's immediately, let's do the thing that I know you for instead of, hey, man, like, tell me your name. How I are you? Disarm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I want to <laughs> disarm this conversation. I want to be normal again. So it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think the whole getting to know yourself and getting back to yourself thing, I think that's the hardest journey. Like, I could sit here with my eyes closed and tell you, all right, this is what's going to happen in Michigan versus Washington and this, that, and the other, or this is what's happening in college basketball. But that whole roadmap of getting back to yourself, my, my fiance mentioned it a couple of, you know, a couple of days ago about like, she may want to take some time off from seeing patients, that kind of thing. And I'm like, man, there's a roadmap that everybody else has built seemingly to get back to whatever it is that they are and want to be. And I'm still trying to figure out while also being the person that everyone needs you to be. So it's, it's interesting that you say that, um, specifically as a mom, um, you know, there's a different weight, there's a different responsibility that you carry. And also the personality that you have, uh, how do you, how do you balance that in, in terms of being good at your job, doing what, you, what is necessary and required of your job, watching these games, talking to these people, traveling, and also making sure the family is as balanced as possible? Yeah, I mean, my kids don't like totally get it yet. And um, and uh, it's funny, I keep going back and forth between calling you Goff and Jason because- It's all good. Well, listen, professionally, <laughs> like we just refer to you as Goff when we talk about you, when we talk about you and so right, it's not right, black right. group text, right? You know, that fucking Goff, yeah. Yeah, we're that he, fucking Goff. that bullshit um, again. <laughs> but, we're, but we're like friends, so I'm like, okay, Jason. Yeah, so yeah. Jason, you know, I just feel like- um, I had to give myself a mom guilt's a real thing. It's been talked about ad nauseum, but I do think uh, your kids give you like windows, like they give you outs for when you're feeling really uh, devastated as a parent. You know, when you're traveling, when they're standing at the door doing the like, please don't go and trying to make you feel as bad as possible. I, in general, am a big believer of taking pressure off. And I know that that sounds crazy because for a long time, I put myself in a pressure cooker. Like you got to do these things. You got to do these things. You know, I think people mistake being aspirational with being like balls to the wall ambition. Mm -hmm. Like let's mm -hmm. get this shit every day. I wake up ready to go at 4am. It just in general, you got to take the pressure off. I can't be the best parent every single day. I can't be the most present parent every single day. I just can't. Um, but I, I know that my kids, uh, know that I am, when I am there, when I'm present, I am present. And I think they also, as they get older, I mean, you know, just saw your son, he's getting older as well. They give you these little like things that sort of affirm that what you're doing is, is right. And you know that, right? Not that I yeah. need permission from my kids to do my job. The truth of the matter is I love what I do. And there hasn't been a single second that I've thought twice about doing it um, because now I have, you know, these children and has it, it doesn't at all. It obviously changes my ability to, uh, be spontaneous. It changes how my schedule looks like things like that, but I've never lost a single second of ambition for what I do based on having kids. But I think that like, they're now at the age where they just say things and I'm like, yeah, you know, they see me on TV or they'll even say things like my daughter the other day, she was like, you know, I can't wait to be a mom one day. She's five. And I said, why? And she was like, well, you know, cause then I can get up every day with my kids and I can get them ready for school. And then I can go give them a kiss goodbye and go to my job at the donut shop. She wants to own a donut shop. 
There you go. And I, right. And I can work at the donut shop and then I can come home and read to my kids and put them to bed. And I started thinking that's exactly what I do. Right. I send them mm-hmm. off. I come mm-hmm. home in time to put them to bed. And I was like, she wants to do the same thing that she's seeing from me. So I think in general for parents, like none of us know what the fuck we're doing. None. And I think it's okay <laughs> to just go like, I'm not always going to be, I'm not going to nail this every day. And I'm tired of trying. Like, you know, this like culture, this toxic culture of like, own the day, seize the day, sleep when you're dead, like bullshit. Sometimes it's okay to just go, you know what? I'm going to lay it up today. I'm going to be a horrible parent and iPad is going to raise you today. And like, that's okay too. So long as you get back on the saddle and try again the next day. Yeah. yeah. Pull that workbook out. I feel guilty about that. IPad. I'm like, you're watching YouTube kids today. I don't give a damn. I don't that's feel bad about is. that at all. That's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> all right. So next question for you, L. Because I've seen the the growth, I've seen the meteoric rise, you know, from the A to where you are now. Um, what's the next dream that scares you? Ooh, the next dream that scares me. Because I have a lot of them, and all of them scare me. That means they mean something. That means that totally. I'm trying to I'm trying to run after something, or I'm trying to to get to a place. And it may not be professionally, right? Or it may be personally for me. But what what's the next dream that scares you? What's making you I a little nervous? That. Yeah, I love that. Um, the dream that it's not even a dream that scares me. It's a dream that has just been right here, like my whole entire life. And, uh, and it just won't go anywhere. It's like this nagging thing. I've checked a lot of boxes. Certainly I've hit a lot of, of marks, if you will, on goals that I wanted to accomplish, but I grew up uh, in the theater. I grew up acting. And while I don't regret at all, not continuing to pursue a career in Hollywood or in acting, I would love to, now that I'm on this side of it, get back into some kind of like writing, or I would love to still contribute in a scripted fiction way. Um, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. I've got ideas. Uh, but I think that that's sort of the next goal and dream for me is what does my next job look like that does not require me to put any makeup on to do it? Mm-hmm. And, um, I got and, you. Uh, yeah, and I think, I think, you know, for so long, you like, especially as a black woman in this industry, you're just like fighting for opportunities for yourself and rightfully so, right? Like you, you trying to make a space for yourself and whatnot. Um, but I'm really interested in the next phase of my life, what it looks like to be the one behind the scenes who's creating um, to let those reins go. And it's weird for me, Jason, because I never thought I'd get here. Like, I was always like, oh, no, I always want to be in front of the camera person. Like, that's just sort of where I thrive. And behind the scenes, those people are so incredible, but it's just not. And as I've gotten more and more into this job, I'm like, man, the writing part, the development part, putting something together. I mean, that to me is A, where all the real money is, but also uh, it's just like, I think a challenge that would be incredibly fulfilling if I could find a way to put it together. So all the good, fluffy, personal stuff aside, just just promise me that y'all, and when I say y'all, you know what I'm about to say. Uh-oh. Y'all going to take care of Justin Fields once he arrives, okay? <laughs> Yo, please. I literally said on my show the other day, Jason, I was like, I was watching that game thinking the Falcons need to do just a little crime, just a little kidnapping, keep them home. It's not really kidnapping. He's from Atlanta. Right. You can just... Just you know, it's not kidnapping when you when you go with your captor. I think he would love to come home. Um, I keep hearing like for the Falcons. Fun fact, it's actually embarrassing. Typically, I run from the association with the Falcons. They're actually not my favorite football team, even though I'm from Atlanta. The Broncos are, which is actually worse yeah, right now. Yeah. It's actually worse right now. Oh, yeah. um, so I'll cape for the Falcons actually right now. But, but 
the Falcons are being uh, rumored to be in the Russell Wilson business. And I, I listen, the Broncos have played this whole thing wrong, but Russell Wilson don't got it no more. So would he still be better in this Falcons offense than what's currently there? Hell yes. Mm-hmm. How could you not be? Um, and he's got incredible weapons, but he's got weapons in Denver too. I don't know. Ah, see, I was hoping that, you know, Justin would end up in Atlanta and all the fun, you know, maybe bring Bomani back to the fold, you know, those no, kinds of things. No, he's off the narcotic. Jason, you know he's off the narcotic. I know he is, I know, but, you know, he's, he's been sprinkling Texas football back into these conversations a little bit more as well. I think, I think you know, the Detroit Lions was his in, right? That was his yeah. first little taste. That was his taste back in the fandom. I think, I think the, the real pusher will pull up with that good stuff. I was going to say, do we think that Bo will try and just go ahead and shift gears and ride on with the Texans? Right. I mean, they rep for Texas and we know he's not going for the boys. So like, right. Like, so maybe, you know, you got a black head coach, you got a black quarterback. I feel like that's, that feels like Bo territory. I think 2024 should be about us making sure that Bo finds a team that he's going to rock with for the rest of his life. I think that's it. That's it. Can we find him forever? Bo keeps everything else on the hush. Exactly. Bo keeps everything else on the hush, on the under, as we say. So maybe this would be the public love that we could just, hey, Married at first sight. We can have Pia, you know, we can have Pia match him up with his favorite team. Next team. thing you know, oh you be the you be the moderator, right? Yeah. This, this will work out. And when he comes around the corner, it's like CJ Stroud standing there and there seven. It is. Yeah. Right. D'Amico Ryan's just hang, handing out handing over CJ Stroud. Like, we say, just listen, we just came out with my next scripted show. So perfect, Jason. This is the best place to end this interview to me. I swear to God. You, you talk to my son. You know, you almost made me cry with the you're finding yourself part. And now we got back to the old sports room where we got Bo married. You know, okay? we did. There it is. And I'm gonna text him and be like, hey man, you're gonna have to listen to the next episode. Yeah. Uh, Ellen and I got you married. Yeah, we That's found it. you a boo. That's it's it. cuffing season, baby. We you a team. There it is. The great L. Duncan. Make sure y'all check out the L. Duncan show wherever you get your pods. Make sure you're checking her out on Sports Center whenever she's around that game day crew making it better. L. Duncan, she's like hot sauce. She makes everything better, ladies and gentlemen. Thank hey, you so much. And sadly, they put that on everything. My bad. <laughs> L. Duncan, right here on the Fogo podcast. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, fellas, we got Bears, we got Packers on Sunday. Um, everybody is hyped because it looks like it's going to be Justin Fields' last game as a Chicago Bear. And, of course, it's Bears-Packers in Green Bay. 
it's always a cool scene. I, I always love watching Bears Packers. I'm not, I'm not one of these, you know, uh, screw the Packers. I hate everything about them. Like I'm a fan of excellence. So when I watched Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers kick the shit out of my favorite team for years on end, I was like, that sucks. But it was cool to watch great quarterback play. Um, Jordan Love, man, he's been playing his ass off, right? It was yeah, thirty touchdowns, ten interceptions, something like that. Uh, to see what a couple of years sitting on the bench behind one of the greatest of all time and having a real infrastructure has done for a quarterback because you're not going to tell me for a second that Jordan Love is a better quarterback prospect than Justin Fields. Not for a second, not for a millisecond when you tell me that. But look what happens when you've got a young wide receiver, a couple of young wide receivers to pair him with. Right, you've got a running game that you could lean on. When healthy, Aaron Jones, one of the best running backs in the game. AJ Dillon, one of the best complimentary backs in the game. And then you got a defense who's got some real players on it. Right, Rashawn Gary, Quay Walker, like you know Jair Alexander. We ain't being, you know, <laughs> we ain't being Jair Alexander. I guess. Um, I don't know what to make of this game. I know the Casual Betting Brothers. We we picked the Bears to win. Uh, Story-wise, I would love for Justin Fields to go out there and have that, you know, that that FU game for everybody, right? I'd love for him to go out there, throw for 260, and get a couple of touchdowns, one on the ground maybe, and, and not turn the football over and the Bears win. But the defense, I mean, let's face it, the story about, of this team has been Montez Sweat. It has been. Um, and to see Montez Sweat get the, get the Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowl nod, his first Pro Bowl, uh, you know, Matt Eberflus and the boys call him in and, and for an emergency game plan session where it's like, all right, uh, Montez, uh, be greater. <laughs> You've been great, but be even greater. Like, what the hell are you going to tell him? He knew the moment he walked in there, he was getting ready to be announced his first Pro Bowl uh, candidacy uh, in his career. The Jalen Johnson one was very interesting because they had his whole family in there. Then his daughter running around the conference room. Like, you're not calling me in here to tell me you're not going to pay me, right? <laughs> you didn't bring my family in here and say, yeah, Jalen, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to go a different route. We're going to go with Terrell Smith and, and Tyreek Stevenson, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, Tyreek Stevenson. We're going to go with them as the starting corners next year. It's been real. Uh, in fact, you don't even have to dress for uh, Week 18 against the Packers. No, of course. He knew. He knew. And the hugs and the daps and, and the love – Boy, yeah, don't don't get sucking into good feelings, man. Like, you know, this this relationship with with Matt Eberflus is is hilarious to watch because it's like the the person who keeps telling you they love you, and you're like, yeah, I love you too, but we hate each other. Like, we, we don't get along. You're not good to me, and I'm not good to you. Why are we still together here? Like, that's that's what that's what this Matt Eberflus thing feels like because they all love him. They all love him, but hell. I, Bulls, Bulls players love Jim Boylan. Like there, there were some Bulls players who really rocked with Jim Boylan, and not to say that Jim Boylan was as inept as who, who was worse at their gig, Matt Eberflus or Jim Boylan? It's got to be Boylan, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, be it's, Boylan. Not, it's not close. Yeah, because yeah, Matt, you know, at least you know after whatever happened. Uh, when the FBI raided Hallis Hall to get, the, to, remember that? It's been like three years in one. 
remember, remember when we got the news that the, the, the FBI was kicking down the house hall doors to get <laughs> to get to Alan Williams' uh, laptops and his work computers and all this other bullshit? They had to let that, stash. That, yeah. man had to, that man had to answer his own press. Like, hey, uh, I know my employer isn't really giving me cover right now, so uh, it's not what y'all think it is. I'm just here to be with my family. Which at the time I was like, ooh, wee, <laughs> home ain't good right now. <laughs> you can hear it in a press release, boy. You can hear when, a, when home ain't good. And it's like, you know what? I have to stop coaching in the NFL because I gotta go take care of some things at home. You know, I gotta go back home to the homestead and make sure everybody's cool, make sure, you know, make sure everybody's coming up the way they're supposed to. But not even Flus actually coached his defense in a way that was adequate. Right, like the last six, seven weeks. I mean, you throw a Pro Bowl talent on the roster, and it's a trickle down effect. Javon Dexter, senior Zach Pickens, have played better next to Montez Sweat. Hell, Demarcus Walker played better next to Montez Sweat. You know, Justin Jones flashed a couple of times when he's not out here getting personal fouls and ruining drives for the defense. Right, and then of course, you know, the guys behind him, the back seven, T.J. Edwards. That ball is coming out. He's got the three of them. Oh, by the way. Which one of you foolies out here put T.J. Edwards' stats next to Roquan Smith talking about, huh? Which one? What the fuck do you mean, which one? I'm going to go with the all-pro. All right, I'm going to go with the one that, that most people widely consider as the best inside linebacker in football. I'm going to go with him. You know, like, y'all ain't got to... I got to shit on Roquan Smith to make T.J. Edwards better. Like, T.J. Edwards had a nice season. He had a fine season. All right? But you're going to tell me that... that that Tremaine Edmonds played as well or better than you saw Roquan Smith playing this defense. And I'm going to tell you to hand in your Bears card and take a bat to your TV because you don't need it. You don't need neither one. But Montez Sweat played his ass off and Matt Eberflus called a more aggressive defense. All right. And Kyler Gordon, when he was healthy, made plays. Like we've seen the maturation, we've seen the steps being taken. I just, now all I want to see is a complete game. You know, go on out with a complete game. Go out there and get you two or three turnovers from Jordan Love. Mess around and run the football adequately enough. Take some deep shots. The fact that DJ Moore is not a Pro Bowler is kind of wild. Can we look up the Pro Bowl NFC wide receivers so I can shit on somebody so I can lift up DJ Moore a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we know the familiar faces, but there's a couple of guys who didn't play enough football frankly, to, to be warranted in a Pro Bowl spot. You know, I love Justin Jefferson as much as the next guy, but you can remove him from the situation. Tyree Kill is over there in the AFC. You ain't got to worry about that. A.J. Brown, every time he turn, you put a camera on A.J. Brown, he, you know, he copping a plea as to why he's not a bad teammate. And that, that, that Philadelphia Eagles thing don't feel the way it felt last year at all. It feels broken, to say the least. So for the NFC, you got C.D. Lamb, can't really argue with that. A.J. Brown, I, pull up A.J. Brown's numbers for me, fellas. Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he can thank Baker Mayfield because all Baker Mayfield has done for the last seven, eight weeks is throw jump balls to Mike Evans. And why wouldn't you if, if you had Mike Evans at your disposal? And, of course, okay. to Tony Gill's guy, Puka, don't call me Pookie Nakua. I thought he was a tight end this whole time. I thought he was... I thought he was a, a slender tight end this whole time. So shout out to him. What, what number does he wear? I think it's 17. I think he's running around. Uh, you know, I think he's running around in, in the Rams, yellow and blue with number 17, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. DJ Moore. 
was it 1200 plus yards with Tyson Bajan. And for those who don't like Justin Fields, Justin Fields is his quarterback. Come on. Let's, let's be real. DJ AJ Brown had 105 catches, 1447 yards. All right. So I take it back. AJ Brown had a better season. I'll shut that shit up. My bad, AJ, my fault. You know, I'm just, I was, I was too busy watching the, the sterling smile of your quarterback to, to really pay attention to how well you've played again this year. Oh, well, that's shit. AJ, talk your shit, AJ. Yeah, fuck everybody on that team. <laughs> if I get 100 catches and 1,400 plus yards, hey, shit, you can't say shit to me. And I still want the ball more. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, DJ, you know, you can hate on Puka Nakua if you want. Uh, Mike Evans in Tampa Bay had himself a big season. But yeah, DJ Moore had himself a Pro Bowl caliber season. Uh, I like the fact that he wasn't happy about it, you know, through the Joker shrug out there on Twitter. Now I'll go out there and destroy the Green Bay secondary for one last, uh, one last start because I don't know what the hell this thing's going to look like next year, to be honest with you. Caleb Williams, Drake May. Hell, the Jaden Daniels love is starting to scare the shit out of me as well. Before long, Jaden, this going is good. The top four picks are going to be uh, Marvin Harrison and these three quarterbacks. By the time we get to the draft, by the time we get through the combine, by the time everybody's finished poking holes and everybody's resume and saying this guy's too small and this guy's too skinny and this guy's too stoic and too statuesque, by the time that happens and by the time we all realize, once again, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in this draft, there's going to be three quarterbacks taken in the top four. So now we got to start scouting these other teams and pouring over their rosters, fellas, right? The Giants, the Commanders, the Patriots, you know, the Cardinals. It seems like the Cardinals are locked in, though. If there's any short thing, I think, in that top two or three, is that the Cardinals are going to take that wide receiver. Unless you can mess around and sweeten the pot. Man, man, having the first pick and having to throw extra on it to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. seems wild as hell, though. So I don't even want to go that far. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I can't wait to see how this process takes shape. I, I saw a really interesting tweet from USC football. Boy, they trying their hardest. Did y'all see this? They tweeted out Caleb Williams overlooking LA in his uh, penthouse condo in, in Southern California. And we've already seen Caleb Williams' cars. And I'm not pocket watching. Get your money, player. I, I'm glad somebody's getting some money out of this thing. But man, they are trying their hardest. They are trying their hardest to convince Caleb Williams, hey, man, do you really want to go play football in Chicago? Like, is that what you want to do? They're just going to put a, 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 a lineup of former Bears quarterbacks. Like, this is this is who you want to be? Which is, you know, it's not it's their prerogative, right? Like, I mean, what, yeah. they going to lie? No. <laughs> I mean, just, just tell the truth. Hey. What has happened to Chicago Bears quarterbacks, including the one they currently have? Now, hey, listen, if you were Caleb Williams, what would you do? You got generational money on the line. You can break your leg next year, right? So you, you, obviously you're going to take the, the, the opportunity, especially if you're the competitor that everyone thinks he is. You're going to take the opportunity to go play in the NFL. But does, uh, he, does he, can he get away with the Colin Murray, John Elway, Eli Manning? Yeah. Can he yeah. get away with that? Of course he can. Okay. He, that, that would be my answer, though. If he I runs the draft. It's his draft. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. 
He can look Ryan Poles in the face after two dinners where they pay top dollar. All the wine is spilt and all the steaks are eaten. And he can look him right in the face and say, hey, man, <laughs> this ain't it for me. I got bigger plans than this. I mean, shit, if Archie Manning could look at Marty Schottenheimer and say, you're not getting your hands on my son. You think Caleb Williams don't have people around him who have the, the, the NFL pass? You think, you think they don't know the quarterback history of Chicago? You think they're not reading everything about Luke Getze right now? You think they're not reaching out to people around Justin Fields like, hey, man, what's, what's it like up there? Play to play and pimp to pimp. And if I'm Justin Fields, you know, I'm being uh, as cordial as possible because you don't want to burn any bridges and you don't know where your next gig is going to come from and who's going to give it to you. But if he wasn't like me, oh, yeah, on the way out, you know, you know how you do, like, <laughs> well, not you, but you know how some do, you know, the, the corniest and lamest of dudes when they see somebody with their, their ex or whatever, it's like, oh, man, <laughs> good luck. Couldn't be me no more. You know, it's a little wild over there. Enjoy, though. Enjoy. You know, <laughs> you're walking away like, hey, I tried to warn you, player, but, you know, you'll, you'll learn. You're like, oh, this guy. <laughs> Someone's ED is acting up again. Wait a minute. <laughs> I got personal just now. But seriously, though, man, if you're Caleb Williams, you got to peruse the scene. You know what DC is like. You know, you know, you know, the coach there may not be there much longer. It's going to be your team soon. New ownership, right? You know what New York is. They just dying for a quarterback. And since Tyrod Taylor became the first black quarterback to, to get a win in New York Giants history this year, it was this year, wasn't it? Or was it last year? It was this year, right? Yeah. Can you imagine a charter franchise in the end? I don't know if Geno Smith was there, but, you know, Geno, he got rocked in the jaw. Like, after after that went down, you know, Ben Solak brought up Geno Smith, and it's, it's crazy because you look at the way his career started, it's unlike any other quarterback in NFL history. Like, with the, the Nolan Naraki stuff out of college. And then the one thing that you, they put a different color jersey on the quarterback in practice. You mean to tell me someone had the balls to run up on him and break his jaw with a punch? Yeah. You're never going to hear that again in NFL history. Never. But Geno Smith couldn't get a win as a New York Giants quarterback, but Tyrod Taylor right there. Shout out to Tyrod Taylor. Um, what else? What else we got? Oh, yeah. Congratulations to Connor Bedard, youngest all-star. Uh, I forget whose record he broke, but 18 years old, being an all-star in a league that is getting ready to be handed over to you on a silver platter. The dude is magic on skates. Um, Patrick Kane was a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch here, and I think we got a similar talent in Chicago. So, you know, everything hasn't been all doom and gloom over this last couple of weeks here in Chicago when it comes to sports and sports talk, which has been fun for me, you know, holiday season. Although we're in this weird period of the, the, the beginning of the year where you don't know what day it is. Uh, you just try to get, make it out of January. So you can kind of reset what your year is looking like, but it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Oh yeah. He beat out Jeff Skinner who was the previous youngest all-star. By the way, shout out to Jeff Skinner and the Skinner family. I'll, uh, I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you $100, Kyle, if you could tell me what Jeff Skinner's number was without looking at 
Google or anything involved with Jeff Skinner right now? Open up the mic, Kyle. I feel like you're looking. I, I would be looking at the computer while uh, pretending to look up. Give me the number, Kyle. Tony, look look up the number. Was it was it? Don't ask me. I don't know this motherfucking answer. <laughs> was it uh, eighty? I'm gonna go eighty. Ooh, he went eighty. Okay, Tony Gill, Jeff Skinner, War, fifty three. Damn. Don't worry, Kyle. I'll, I'll Venmo you something. You know, I owe y'all anyway. I got something planned. Don't worry, I got y'all. Um, so yeah, shout out to Kyle Bedard, and uh, you know his uh, greatness is only starting. First All Star birth of many, hopefully, as this Blackhawks thing kind of gets turned around. And when it does, uh, somebody tell me about it so I can show up. <laughs> hey, go ahead, cook, cook, cook. Tom. Oh yeah, oh, he yeah. still got time. He's still in the oven. They still in the oven. Yeah. You know, we set the three fifty and we walked away. Yeah, get you all know? that shit out the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. yeah. The building up of the fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fights. The uh, the internal strife. Yeah, that's it. That's it, you know? And if you tell me it's ready at 4, that means I'm showing up at 6.30 because that's when it's really going to be ready, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, look at us. I already have a black barbecue talk in January. Huh? It's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a good summer. All right, man, we'll wrap this thing on up. I, I feel like we've, we've done enough for the people. I feel like we've given them some, uh, some love, you know? We, we got a chance to chop it up with L. Got a chance well, to chop it up. Sign somebody. I don't know if you... I forgot who they signed, but they signed somebody. Well, there it is. There we go. Congrats to the Sox for signing somebody. Yeah. They, they are in Blackhawks territory when it comes to me this summer. Y'all thought last summer was full of comedians and rappers. Oh, you wait for this summer. <laughs> this is going to be the arts pod this summer. I am not talking White Sox baseball for nobody. Y'all can kiss my ass and don't spit a crack. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Golf Podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. Thank you so much for hanging out with us here on episode 335 of the Full Golf Podcast. I want to thank our guest, the great, the legendary, the coolest of the cool, ESPN's very own L. Duncan. Make sure you check out the L. Duncan Podcast. Uh, she does a good, great job with Gary. And also want to say thank you to Ben Solak. Wrote a great piece about the franchise-changing direction decision that has to be made by the Chicago Bears and Ryan Poles coming up here shortly, and also his thoughts on Justin Fields. Uh, check out the Philly special pod with him and Shale Kapadia, and, of course, all the stuff that he writes on the ringer. So for the production crew, which is the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, uh, the chief vibes officer himself, Chris Sutton, the, the exceptional one. I mean, come on, Kyle Williams, you know, swing in the dark. He guessed number 80 for a hockey player, which is like the only number I would have never guessed um, because they don't run around with a lot of 80s in hockey. 89, 88, you know, and 87 every once in a while. Shout out to Alexander Mogilny back in the day. Uh, but nah, never 80. Come on, Kyle. You know, you went to Northwestern. You're supposed to be into the white sports. So shout out to our exceptional one, Kyle Williams, and the dad, the myth, the legend, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Uh, I'm an idiot. Thank you. Thank you so much for reminding me every single time y'all listen to this pod. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for following us on the socials. 
Uh, appreciate y'all for rating and reviewing us, giving us the five stars you know we need. If not, we will see you in the streets. We will talk to you after a Bears resounding win on Sunday against the Packers. All right? We'll do that on Sunday. But until then, we leave you with this as always. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH it in indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in kansas 1-877-770-STOP in louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in west virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in wyoming hope is here visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.